Hello everyone, you're listening to the Baladins Live podcast. I'm your host Jana Komarnitska and I'm thrilled to share a new portion of dance inspiration with you. If you are a new listener, welcome to the show. Don't forget to subscribe and receive automatic updates about our new episodes. And if you are our regular listener, welcome back. Please leave your reviews on whichever app you're listening. They really help me promote the show and spread awareness about Baladins art form. Plus, I really like like hearing back from you. On this note, let's get to our today's episode. You know how many guests we had previously on this podcast sharing how much their experience with BDE pushed their dance career. You can have it too. Join one of the BDE experience intensives and get the training and experience of performing in lead and ensemble roles open for Raksharki and fusion styles. Details and training materials for the casting are available at www.joinbde.com. Direct link in the show notes, joinbde.com. Hello, my dear dance friends. Hello, listeners of the Paladins Live podcast. I hope you are enjoying this uh, mid-January journal, the vibe of holidays past. Now we are really ready to start the year and I hope you're already rocking it. I hope you already took a look at the quiz that I was talking about last episode about improving your dance habits. We have over 100 people already took advantage of it. It's very straightforward, it's very fun and very easy. It takes 10 minutes, you go through 30 questions. Yes, it's 30 questions. I designed it as a very complex and intricate project, but it's actually very straightforward. The average uh, time that people spend on passing the quiz so far is like eight minutes. So literally, as I'm saying, 10, maximum maybe 15 minutes, you just answer and uh, it gives you suggestions on how you can improve uh, your dance habits, specifically you. You, of course, you have your own ideas. You, of course, know your weaknesses. You know your goals. You can come up with your own solutions, of course. But sometimes it's good, instead of guessing, um, to use some external tools. And this tool helps you, is designed to help you to analyze your current state of practice and how you can improve it. And it will be shifting through time, of course. Once you fix certain things, once you, not even fix, let's say, improve and enhance and maybe add certain things to your practices, it will shift. And then at the next level of your dance training, maybe you will need to add and shift your focus to something else. But this tool is designed to help you evaluate literally right now your current state, your current stage where you are in terms of your dance practice and how you can take it to the next level. It's totally free. It's very fun, very easy to do. I will include link to the show notes. You can go to yanadanceclub.com slash quiz. And don't forget that specifically this week I'm throwing a bonus gift raffle to give you even more motivation to do the practice and not only to take the quiz and read information but also think about it and as long as you do an Instagram post uh, talking about insights that you had from your quiz and choosing one tip that you decide to implement in your practice add hashtag Baladance Habits for fun of collecting them all together and tag me so I can actually see the post. Then at the end of the week on Monday, I will collect 
all posts and I will do one gift raffle among all participants, among all active participants who already took the step at least of writing down the post and coming up with their summaries and ideas and thoughts about it. And I will choose one gift winner who will receive an individual free feedback from me. So afterwards you can send me your dance video, any video that you want to, me to analyze, like your practice video, your performance video, and I will give you comments in video format about how to uh, maybe enhance your technique or what to work on or some comments on choreography or emotional presentation. You can also always write me like what exactly you want me to focus on and what you think will be helpful for you to know some suggestions and ideas uh, regarding which exact aspect of your performance of your dance uh, video. So uh, this is something that I'm really trying my really best to give you as much push, as much motivation and as much inspiration to start this year on a positive and cool note and charge the entire year with this energy of excitement and practice and make it fun and easy. It doesn't really necessarily need to be hard. It needs to be consistent. Of course, it needs to be productive, effective, but there are so many ways of how to get to those results with keeping it fun and enjoyable throughout the process. So this is what the quiz is about. I already talked more about it in the previous episode. If you want to dive deeper into my insights about belly dance habits and training habits and what holds many people from reaching their own results in the previous episode. But this episode, I want to dedicate not to my thoughts. I want to dedicate it to the same subject, but thoughts of other different artist and that's why we are doing the best of episode and you will hear clips not from one two or four artists but you will hear clips from eight previous interviews some clips that I selected about different aspects of how the stars how the professionals the best of the best in the world of belly dance of today how they practice it's the clips that from the whole interviews with each artist uh, and they share a little bit uh, in, about insights into their own personal uh, training. And here I decided to collect all of them to give you all range of different ideas. And for some of you, these tips will work, for some not. Get one or two that inspired you, that talk to you. If you want to know more, go into each individual interview. During this uh, podcast, you will hear different voices so you can also play a game if you can recognize whose voice it is but I will put the list of all actual initial interviews in the same order as they appear in this uh, podcast in this episode in the show notes so you can go back but today you will uh, hear from uh, Jazeera, from Nabila, from uh, Jelena, from Cassandra Fox, Victoria Teal, Aziza, Hayal, and I hope all this will inspire you to practice more and to practice more consistent and to practice more thoughtful and gives you inspiration and boost for your entire 2024. I wish you good luck with that. Keep practicing. Don't forget to participate in the quiz. It's free. A link is in the show notes. Don't forget to do a post and tag me. Or if you see I didn't react within 24 hours, don't be shy to send me actually the post in the end saying, oh, here it is, Jana. Make sure you didn't miss it so that I uh, can collect all of them. And next Monday. It's gonna be a January 15th. On my Instagram I will announce a gift raffle and choose one person who will 
receive additional bonus of getting individual video feedback from me. On this note, let's dive in our today's episode. And how do you develop it, like, in terms of training? Because I assume this kind of technique, with a lot of isolation, it asks for a lot of drilling, but this is just my assumption. So can you tell us a little bit of insights into your training process? Yes, I think that any, actually, style requires, requires a lot of repeats and uh, drills, uh, any. But um, drum solo, I think, especially because you just need to practice, practice a lot, even one very basic movement like chest up and down to achieve particular goal that you just don't want to move your shoulders anymore or you don't want to move your belly or pelvis in the same moment. So, of course, it, it requires a lot of training. And until now, after so many years, after 10 years since I started, I still have my daily workout and I do very basic things like just chest up and down to not lose those uh, mm. body control, the muscle control. So some of my trainings are more basic. I just do something very easy to keep my body in good condition, like chest up and down, some shimmies, something that, that you would have on the first belly dance class. And of course, some of my trainings are more complicated. Um, when I just create combos. I came with some idea uh, to do some movements in the same moment or to do some movements one after another. In the beginning, it's difficult because your body cannot really follow very fast what your brain created. <laughs> but actually, uh, if you repeat it many times, everything is possible. And later you can even uh, prepare uh, papers that you have your body <laughs> parts <laughs> on it uh, with movements. And you can just pick them up and decide that you are going to do it together. So not only shimmy and chest up and down, but maybe circles with your hips, omis, and then square with your chest. And I believe that really everything is possible of course, until you practice a lot. So your body can handle everything and you can always start from something more easy and then become more difficult. But I also believe that you have to still keep doing basic things to keep your body in good condition and keep the muscles to remember what they already learned. So yeah, this is how my my training looks like. And I try to practice every day, at least when I don't travel and I'm at home, then I try to practice every day, even some basic movements. It's mm. very interesting to hear and good reminder for everyone that even after 10 years of practice, you still need to go back to basics and uh, work on them, on the basic movements. And uh, one of the questions I kind of feel like whoever is listening now to this interview, people will want to ask. So you just mentioned that it's you're trying to do every day, but is it like 10 minutes, is it one hour, is it three hour training? How many or how long and how many times per week I need to train to practice to become a good dancer? <laughs> like for those kind of questions, I'm sure you receive them as well at your workshops and uh, people send you probably messages online after seeing your video. So how do you usually uh, reply to them? Or if you want to take us into insights of your work, how you do it on uh, for your own body? <laughs> Well, of course, everything is very personal. And I think that at least in the beginning of belly dance, for me, it was kind of faster because I already had 10 years of ballroom dance uh, training in my body. So the body control was probably, yeah, I had better control than any other girl that just came for the first belly dance class and she never practiced anything before. 
So also I could control myself better and I could practice alone without teacher because I knew what kind of mistakes I can uh, fix in my body and how to fix them. So maybe for me it was a little bit different than any person that just came for the first class. But anyway, I think that uh, one hour a week when you go to the um, some class uh, in your city, it's not enough. It's never enough. I mean, it, you can do it for fun to meet your friends and learn something. But if you want to be really good dancer, it requires much more time. And uh, of course, you need to ask yourself, what do you need? What uh, kind of movements you want to do and why? Is it because the movement is not good enough or you just want to learn something new? So what uh, very often uh, people ask me for is uh, how to improve shimmy because for example they realize that after one minute of doing shimmy they feel a lot of tension in in their legs and hips and whatever <laughs> so I, I think that the answer is kind of cliche but you just need to practice and of course you can do some extra exercise like go to the gym to make your muscles stronger and stretch of course to make the muscles longer and your joints more flexible always, but you can make some goals for you. Like today I will do two minutes of shimmy um, and tomorrow I will do three minutes <laughs> and then four minutes. And of course the last minute will be very difficult, but later you will realize that you are much better. So um, everybody is a little bit different. So it's hard for me to say like for person who is listening for us now and uh, she's just a beginner and I will tell her do shimmy for one hour every day <laughs> so of course it's very difficult and probably impossible to do so my my idea is to create some program just for yourself so if you feel that your shimmy is a problem and you can do it only one minute and you would like to do longer then try to do it tomorrow for one minute and half then two minutes, three minutes, and then maybe you will realize that in the end of a month, it's 15 minutes without any problem. You can shake and watch the whole episode of your favorite TV series. <laughs> and um, also, I don't have one standard uh, version of my training because I change it to not get bored. So, for example, uh, sometimes I prepare for a particular show. And if, for example, it's uh, Iraqi Kalea, mm, folkloric dance that requires a lot of jumping and hair movements, hair tossing, then I focus on those parts more. So I practice my spine and my neck to have it stronger and more flexible. Uh, and for example, I do, I do a lot of cardio to have a good condition when I will jump on the stage with 500% of energy later. Uh, but when I uh, don't have any particular reason to practice, when I just want to keep my body in good condition anyway, then for example, I practice half hour of each part per day. So for example, I create half hour for upper body uh, to do many different chest um, movements, up and down, side to side, square, circles, then maybe some combination with hips. And then for example, half hour for lower parts. So I do shimmies. Omis, maybe I go down and up. I will do some squats also, even at home, not even in the gym, to you know keep the whole body in uh, in good condition, so the muscles will not forget how to work. And also, if somebody has like very strong legs and strong shimmy, but they feel that maybe the chest is not very controlled and whatever they do is just shaking, then they can focus only on chest and they can say, okay, today I'm practicing only chest, and then for one hour 
you can separate your training, for example, okay, let's do five minutes up and down, then five minutes side to side, then five minutes the V-shape and the U-shape, and then uh, vertical shimmy and horizontal shimmy. So in the beginning, maybe it all will look like shaking and maybe it will not be very precise, but every day you will notice that the muscles got better control. You don't feel pain in your belly, like you're losing your breath anymore. And you will notice that actually the whole muscles are stronger and the belly has more beautiful shape. <laughs> so it's many ways and I don't stick with one because I would get bored after so many years to do everything the same every day and to keep the same idea about training, for example, to practice everything one day. So you can change. This week you practice everything every day. Then next week you practice, for example, chest on Monday and then belly on Tuesday and legs on uh, Wednesday, same like bodybuilders that mm. you, you follow some part of muscles to get them more tired and to have better results, but then you don't make them uh, practice again next day. You just give them relax and focus on another part. Uh, I received so many questions like for the last couple of years, how I managed to stay motivated for my home uh, workouts, uh, how I find inspiration, like because people don't want to get up from the couch and how I do it. And I actually, since like forever, I have notebooks for everything. Like I am a notebook girl and I have everything written down. Of course, not like everything because uh, yeah, it would be a lie too. But uh, like I have always, uh, I always had a notebooks for belly dancing. It was just a regular notebook, some something nice that I found in the store, not a regular notebook for school, but something like more beautiful with hardcover with some colorful pages. Uh, and uh, I was like adjusting this notebook for myself. So I always had pages for calendar to write down the events that I'm going first when I was a student. Of course, it was like events where I attended to take some workshops, then some galas, some half halflas that I was invited. Then, of course, uh, later when I was already a teacher, the events that I am invited to teach. Um, so all my like plans connected with belly dancing were in my own personal calendar that I put in my notebook. Then I had also like monthly calendar for all my uh, classes, everything. Like if I had private classes as a teacher, if I had private classes being a student, I wanted to have everything in there so I don't forget about the class. Um, so I had always a separate notebook for my belly dance life mm -hmm. to put it all together. Of course, now it's my job too. So it's just also my planner uh, with all my like business uh, things, all my invitations. And then, of course, I always had like huge um, part of the notebook for my home trainings. And it was very similar, like it's very simple. I just put a date and then the practices, the exercises that I planned to do. And it doesn't even have to be very, you know, like full training, one hour training. Uh, it's always nice, even if it's like five or 10 minutes. You don't feel like doing too much. Just get up do some 10 minutes, very easy exercises, one minute shimmy, one minute snake arms, anything. Very often after practicing for 10 minutes, you even want to do more. It's like, oh, it's it's actually nice. So since I did 10 minutes, I can do five more, five more. And maybe you will end up doing like half hour of training. Maybe you will decide to do the choreography, to repeat choreography. Um, so it was engaging a lot uh, doing very short workouts mm -hmm. to start doing more. And even if, it not, if it's not, if you don't have time or whatever, still 10 minutes is better 
than nothing because if you do it many times a week, you actually at the end of the month have few extra hours of training. So that was huge part. Also, I really loved to write down all the notes from choreographies. I really like liked to watch my liked, let's say not liked, but I, I knew that it was helpful. So uh, what I used to do and I found it very like useful for me was watching myself uh, on the video and trying to treat myself as a student mm-hmm. and see if I don't like something like maybe my elbows are too like you know sticky <laughs> or something like this or my smile is weird uh, or in this position I have like double chin or something like that so I used to write down this kind of notes uh, watching myself as teacher watching a Mm-hmm. Uh, student not as watching myself and being quite critical uh, but also you know soft like yeah we will fix it until I see it I can I can fix my mistakes uh, so I used to have all of those things like ideas for the videos in my notebook for example you have an idea for let's say now reels are very common on Instagram and so you have some idea on reel you think oh I will record it when I will be like on the beach next month in a holiday and then you are on this beach and you forgot completely that you have to <laughs> record it is real so that's the thing for me too that i write down what i want to record uh, a reel or a um, patreon class uh, description what i want to record because i know later i will forget and it will somehow escape i will remind after three months and i will be like oh my god I had to record that, but now I don't have time or the song is not in fashion anymore, (laughs) whatever. So everything I used to write down uh, and then like both things that people asking me all the time how I keep myself organized and how I keep myself motivated for training, plus the idea that I write down everything, I decided, well, I can actually create something that people will (laughs) use for writing down Mm -hmm. because everything in my notebooks I did by myself. The notebook was empty. It was like plain papers, and I just put sections by myself before I start to using start using it. And then I thought I can actually print something like this for me. Ah, actually I can print it for more people, <laughs> so they can use it too. So this is how it <laughs> how it, mm-hmm. it was, yeah. like came out of my head, and uh, and because I had like a lot of uh, passion about it. I did it quite fast, uh, you know, it was like the, the the moment that I came up with the idea, I just sit down to write down, <laughs> write down, see, <laughs> I just sit down to write down the notes, what I want to, to put in my notebook. And then uh, I started to create it. Of course, later it went to the graphic designer and then to the print factory. Uh, so we got the product now. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Uh, it's so cool to hear uh, how many ideas and thoughts you just now mentioned that oh my god we're so similar in so many ways uh and one of them was that even smaller session is better than none and smaller sessions they accumulate this time and they do have uh you will reap benefits of it but not immediately later and you will not even know just how they accumulate yes on this note i still have to ask you because i'm really curious mm. For you personally right now, with your current dance lifestyle, how long is your personal typical training session? It's it's really hard to say because it's really not typical a session. So there are the periods of time that I really don't have time for my own training. Like, for example, before organizing festival. It's like the moment when 
everyone is accumulating wanting something from me <laughs> so i have a lot of things to do as an organizer of course you know to to organize uh, certificates uh, trophies to go to the venue this and that and write 100 emails but then also students want to get ready so there's a lot of private classes someone is asking to coach choreography so very often it's like super busy um, time that I don't have time to just stand up and do my home workout, but I am working, uh, like working out a lot because I'm dancing with my students. Mm -hmm. So it's not my personal uh, workout. Like I don't write down what I want to do. I'm doing uh, stuff with students, but it's of course developing a lot too. Still doing, you know, some movements with your body, repeating choreographies, even if you are not going to perform this, it's still developing your body, repeating choreographies with your students. So in that period, I don't do my own workouts because I have so much workouts with other people that it would be too much. And then there are moments where I actually have a little like calmer. Maybe people are busy with Christmas, for example, and they don't want too much uh, private classes. So then I have much more time for my uh, home workout. And usually it's not that long usually it's like maybe half hour of typical like drills for belly dancing you know like shimmies kick drops some maybe drum solo combinations to drill isolations maybe half hour but then of course i go to the gym twice or three times a week too and then if i have a choreography uh, that i want to perform uh, on festival I have to do a lot of like uh, rehearsals with my costumes, so it's also a training, even though not necessarily drilling some particular movements, but you dance choreography a couple of times every day, you record yourself even to check uh, the costume if something is not coming out <laughs> of the skirt or something like this. So it's really hard to say one particular time <laughs> of training, because trainings are very different from each other. And in terms of recording yourself and vo watching your own video, when do you typically watch and analyze it? Is it during the session, after, separate time? How does it work for you? Uh, I usually do it separate when I have time. Like if I record myself at home or if I have a video from, uh, for example, festival and I want to check how it went. I see some mistakes and I write them in the, no, the book, obviously. Um, and uh, it's usually not in the moment when I practice. It can be in the late evening when I have time to sit down. Uh, I watch it, I prepare notes. And then when I have time next, you know, like next day or maybe next week, uh, I check my notes, I remind what I have to fix. And then I practice choreography, trying to think about particular things. Like for example, smile more and then like I decide okay now I'm dancing the whole choreography and I need to focus on smiling much more and maybe if I have time I record myself and check if the smile is better now mm -hmm. the same for example some hip movements like oh shimmy doesn't look big enough in this costume so if you want to dance in this costume some shimmies try to make a bigger movements and maybe a bit slower but like the shimmy will be more fluffy let's say um, so then I, I adjust to the costume and uh, I do it maybe a week or two weeks later. It doesn't have to be in the same time because I also believe, uh, I know it, that the brain works even in, not during the practice. So sometimes uh, just watching yourself and making notes is already a lot of progress without even dancing, uh, you know, your mistakes out, let's say. <laughs> 
I will be honest. I typically don't train every day <laughs> um, mm -hmm. directly in terms of like setting aside time to do this. I live on a farm, so some days I simply don't get a chance to. Mm-hmm. Uh, or there's just too much background noise, like if a tractor's going or something, I just can't get my head out of that like grumbling engine sound, and it bothers me. <laughs> um, but when I, I do practice, I try to make it dedicated practice in terms of I really just focus on moving. So if I'm going to practice, I'm pretty inconsistent, if I be honest. Some days I will practice for 30 minutes and other days three hours. It's sort of depending on time available. Mm -hmm. And how I'm feeling as I've gotten older, um, I definitely really appreciate that you have to move consistently. So there's more value now, I think, at 33 years old in moving a little bit every day than doing three hours once a week mm -hmm. at once. So I'm trying to do that and trying to stay on top of my stretching. Um, I never was a driller in terms of practicing. Drilling, I never found worked overly well for me that being said I have students that drilling works well for so I think you really have to find what helps evolve your movement and your dancing so for me my practice structure has always been you know in my more developmental stage when I was starting I was pretty consistent in at least an hour a day and I would just put on music and dance that's always been my sort of way of going forward is just let that music play and dance it out dance it out dance it out um, and then little techniques that I do, if I'll say, okay, today I want to work on this song, I will just improvise to that song like four times in a row. And then I'll start to make a conscious choice. I might stop and watch a couple of the videos and see what I'm doing naturally and seeing how I like it. And then just for variety, I will say to myself, okay, don't do what you instinctively want to do here. Maybe try to do something different and see what happens. So do you record yourself all the time and then rewatch videos? Because you just mentioned briefly right now that you rewatch some videos. Yes. Yeah. Um, that's been, a, that's probably been my biggest thing in practice. I don't all the time because sometimes my phone's simply not charged or I don't have any storage space. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I try to practice, I would say, or film 75% of my practice and try to review it, which can get very time consuming, right? Mm -hmm. Especially the review part. Um, but I have always said mirrors lie. I think humans are really good at seeing what they want to see. Mm, that's nice versus what's actually happening and in a video you can't lie to yourself because you can go back and back and back and keep seeing that it's not what you thought it looked like or it's not how you wanted it to look yet or maybe it looks better than you thought it did uh you know like video is invaluable as far as I'm concerned filming and then reviewing the videos has been huge and I try to I always thought if you treat the camera as an audience not as a camera even though, yes, no one's watching, you will help get better at performing. So like mentioning that first performance, going back to it, like I said, one thing that I really remember most was looking down because I was sort of so intimidated by this thought of mm. dancing in front of people, but also really wanted to do it. Um, so forcing myself to look at the camera and treat it as a person was a way that I pulled myself out of that. 
That's nice. That's interesting. I use a lot of video recording uh, too in my practice, but it's interesting thought I need to bring it into my practice that treat cameras and audience because whenever I record sometimes, it's for me usually to check the techniques and then I see like, why my face is like this? I don't really perform like this. <laughs> but on those training video recordings, it's always very, I don't know, um, emotionless, let's say. <laughs> um, yeah. That's nice. It's interesting. Yeah, you have to sort of create it for yourself because you know there's no people there they're not giving you mm -hmm. anything back like when you perform for a crowd hopefully they give you some energy back they're giving you a reaction they're giving you something back but when you do it just in this like little camera hole you get nothing back mm. and you post now a lot of your uh training videos online and sometimes we see you in training outfits sometimes in costumes is dancing at home in costumes, is it something that you do specifically for videotaping and putting later online? Or is it something as a part of your uh, regular practice just for whatever other reasons? I would say both. It started out to be, I figured if you're going to spend all this time making something, you'd better test run it before you take it out in public. The last <laughs> thing you want is a costume malfunction. And I jokingly, the first time I posted a practice video, and then I ended up going very viral, um, not the first time, but one that I had done because I said to myself, it was my first time making this style of costume. And I was like, you know what, if it can make it through a seven minute drum solo, it can make it through anything. So I practiced that in it. And then that became like a habit because it does really help you tweak. Like I've had costumes that, you know, thankfully that practice pointed out some issues that needed to be adjusted and fit. Mm -hmm. Because putting on a costume and standing in it is a very different from dancing a full 30 minute show in it yeah true and i i always try to move through because you know no one no one wants the costume malfunction i mean they happen anyway because that's just the nature of life and accidents and thread rots and you know fabric fray or tears like stuff does happen for sure uh but you know you, you want to at least think that you tried your best to avoid it <laughs> mm. um and then also too it's like a nice thing I think the more you perform like every weekend it's really hard well for me I guess everyone's different I'm in an isolated area so everyone performs a bit of a drive um you know to have someone to give up their night to come and film you and you know as I got older I was less inclined to ask people to do that with their time because I know how valuable free time is or time to yourself mm -hmm. so I just was not getting you know really many performance videos or the footage wasn't usable because it wasn't good enough quality or the sound was off or something but you still want to keep sort of like a log of your dancing and your development so I was like well I'll just dance in costume for myself sometimes if I feel like it mm -hmm. and I think yeah I think what happens to us when we dance professionally is sometimes we forget to dance for ourselves I started doing this dancing for myself mm. um, and I never want to lose that it feels good to dance just for myself. Yeah, that's nice. And I think we can get caught up in, you know, wanting to achieve this, this, and this, and that. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's great, obviously. But I also think that, you know, it's it's good to come back to just dancing for you as well. Because I think for most of us, that's what got us started. 
I'm also curious to ask, uh, since we start talking about studying and teaching, etc., but I want to ask about your personal studying process right now. Because uh, yeah. when we are growing, like when we start only start belly dancing, we go to studio, then we have, like in your case, you had a great push through reality TV program, the belly dance superstars probably really pushed you forward in your dance progress and dance training. But at some point comes a time that you kind of, sort of on your own as your own teacher. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't mean that you don't attend classes of other people, but it's more mature choices of, okay, how exactly I now I need to grow and evolve and what to do. So what was that um, teacher solution for yourself as a student that you made? Mm-hmm. And I'm talking about like recent years, like, or maybe even right now, currently, what are you making and how mm-hmm. your training looks right? right now Mm -hmm. right now yeah so um i do not like the fact that covid happened because anything you know that harms anybody is not good but i am very happy that people went online in our industry because i was like i'm taking classes finally you know i can you know get access to all these dancers that my path may or may not cross um there are some teachers particularly that i have been trying and trying and trying and i always had something out you know at that time so um, I would say in the recent years, I've actually been able to take classes online with a lot of these uh, dancers that I admire. And it's nice just to push into moving a different way than you do. You know, um, I think this is the best thing that can happen for dancers. It helps them develop their own voice in a sense. Um, if you're constantly moving from different, different, different styles everywhere, you kind of find where you fit is my personal um, idea on it. But so I do do that. I've been trying to do more, you know, on online things and I change up the teachers pretty constantly. And then for personal training or like for my own, um, I, I still use the same method I used when I started because, again, I came from like we didn't we ha- I had that teacher for like a year and a half and then she moved away. And so there's nothing, <laughs> you know, and so it was like, OK, and the closest thing was maybe two hours away by car and so it was I couldn't do that you know often so I still use the same principle of I I have a minimum number of times that I like to get into the studio and make sure I'm training and dancing whether I'm working on a choreo whether I'm drilling you know improvising whatever it is and for me i I just use the same principles of I can feel when something's weak or I watch my videos and I'm like, yeah, that arm is not good, or I'm always messing up this. Or now I know because I used a right-handed fan for so long, the left side of my body is a little imbalanced from, because of how it is. So by having the two fans, it helps me rebalance my body and doing also training to try to rebalance as well. So I just try to be as like self-aware as possible, um, and I try to treat myself as I do the girls who I coach and mentor, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. You know, of, okay, what do I do with them? They have to turn in videos. We sit down and we do notes and they've got to train that. So that's my expectation of myself, basically. Um, And then, of course, mixing in these uh, opportunities online to study with dancers from all over uh, recently. So using the... Uh Go ahead. And also cross-training. That's super important, I think. I, so I do do weightlifting, but that's because um, I tell all my girls, 
I'm hyperflexible, and so I need to do strength training to keep my joints healthy. And then it's the opposite for other people. Like if they're a little bit strong, they're not as flexible. Doing a lot of uh, stretching and things like that is going to keep their dance, keep their body healthy through all the dancing. Mm-hmm. So for self uh, coaching method, you're using a video recording, right? You video record yourself and analyze your videos. Definitely. Um, and I also try to sense also, like, let's say you were doing drills or something. If I'm shimmying a bunch and I feel like I'm always exhausted on this leg where I can't hold it this long, or, you know, you have these internal struggles, the physical struggles, those then tells it, it basically tells myself, like, you need to drill that more, basically. Like, that needs to mm-hmm. be strengthened. Mm-hmm. And with your in your work with teachers, you mentioned that you also uh, change teachers quite frequently. But mm-hmm. are you talking about taking individual classes or enrolling in their courses? Like, what what is your choice of training? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What I prefer to do is um, group group classes, and then if I have some material, and say we learn a choreography or we're doing certain things. Um, sometimes what I like to do is work on that and then um, then have a private lesson or something like that and say, okay, look at me doing this thing from the course and also look at me just doing my thing. What do you see? That's always my favorite thing. I don't know if they love it, but I love it. <laughs> I'm like, what do you see that needs to be changed um, or like that you would change or that um, because that just gives you that fresh perspective, you know, Um And to, to hear constant feedback, I think it's a really good way to keep growing and evolving as a dancer. How do you deal and, uh, uh, I don't know, structure, uh, inform, schedule your own personal training? Uh, and how do you basically um, deal with the situation that you are your own teacher in this case? You are bo- both student and teacher. <laughs> Yes, I love this question. <laughs> uh, first of all, you know, I thought I was also doing a little research and cruising through your Instagram account. I saw a um, a post that you had about the book, The Artist Way. Mm-hmm. Um, I was really influenced by a book as well. That was by uh, Eric Maisel. It's called Coaching the Artist Within. <clears throat> And... Um, I think that there was, in that book, it really made me take a, a stronger look at how I teach myself. So I accepted that I was going to be my own coach. I am my own coach. And I have to approach my teaching the way that I approach teaching others. Right? So I have to, I have to be a compassionate witness to my own dance. And um, I have to be... Uh, encouraging to my own dad, right? So um, one of the ways, I'm going to give you just like bare bones how I, how I approach my own, um, my own technique. Oh, that would be fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> so um, one of the things that I use is um, video. I videotape even my drilling. So a lot of, a lot of people will use um video of their performances and that's how they critique themselves. But I kind of resist doing that. I feel like um, to critique a performance is, um, I mean, it, it can be helpful, but I think it's 
more helpful to take that energy of filming and critiquing in the studio. That's where you do the work and that's where you can make the difference. So what I do is, let's say I'm working on one particular element. Um, for instance, um, let's say making my shimmies bigger, having a bigger, juicier, um, more range of motion in my shimmies. What I would do is um, I have a video and I have a short piece of music that's maybe two minutes long. I will videotape myself shimmying or doing whatever technique I want to work on. And I stop and I take a look at it because the video doesn't lie, right? Mm -hmm. And if I'm looking at that video and it doesn't look the way that I had in my head, <laughs> the way that I want it to look, then I need to do it again and make it feel different. Because if it feels the same, it looks the same. And the most important is to figure out what does it feel like in your body and what does it look like on the video. And that is a way that uh, is undeniable for you to make changes. And I know it's hard for a lot of people to watch themselves on video, but it is such a great tool because just fooling around in front of a mirror doesn't focus and get into the real deliberate act of drilling and changing what you want your dance to look like right? Because it can be deceiving. You can like, oh, there's me in front of the mirror and you can get distracted. But if I videotape and I stop and I look and I just go back and forth, I want to make it look different. I want to make it look different. And honestly, most of the time you have to really push and really make it bigger and engage the muscles in that feels different. And then it looks different. Oh, it's so mm -hmm. incredible. I still, since your workshop, the one I mentioned, I still remember uh, that phrase that you were emphasizing again and again. If you want it to look different, it needs to feel, feels it needs to feel differently. Uh, yes. And here you are repeating it again. <laughs> I think so it's, it's effective. I really do think it's an effective way of thinking of how to change. Like, yes, I hear people all the time saying, oh, I want my arms like my arms drive me crazy and I can't well it has to feel different if you want it to look different it's very basic but it's revolutionary if you can really apply it and I find using video is the best way to really see the difference many dancers do understand that video recording is a very powerful tool for their training but here comes a lot of obstacles and challenges too of uh, someone who is maybe not that familiar with this uh, tool. How, for instance, how do you analyze what exactly going on wrong? Like, for instance, someone videotaped themselves and they see like, oh, I really don't like my arms. But I, I kind of like, okay, but what, what's next? Like, I don't understand what exactly I need to change. How to figure out like what elements to work on uh, if it's not like, you know, maybe obvious, uh, uh, some movements like with, uh, uh, shimmies, okay. We can kind of feel like, oh, maybe it just tensed or big or something like that. But with more complicated situations, like for instance, arms, like, or video recording yourself doing a combination, like, oh, I see something is wrong, but how for, if you can give any kind of tips from practical point of view, like how maybe dancers can approach into terms of analyzing what exactly, what exactly going wrong in the video? Mm -hmm. Yes. Well, this is, there's many different approaches in order to, um, to find and identify and change. So ideally, 
it would be to have somebody as a coach, somebody that you trust and somebody that you know is going to be honest and somebody that you admire the absolute technique that you're trying to change in yourself. You admire in this person who can give you honest feedback and point out how you can approach it differently. But not everybody has the opportunity to have a coach like this, although things have really changed (laughs) recently. (laughs) And so there's so much more access to to people who are teaching that I think this is a great opportunity now for people to really seek out those, those teachers that are more accessible now. So that's one good thing about Mm -hmm. now for sure. Um, The other thing is if you, are not going in that direction. It really takes, you can watch videos of dancers that you admire and really pinpoint what is it about, say their arms or their shimmy that is different from the way that I do, like deliberately looking at how they do it. For a lot of people specifically with arms, it has to do with transitions. So if you take a look at how your arms are moving through space from one position to another, you have to dance every single second counts. It's not like the audience closes their eyes and waits for you to get into the position and then opens their eyes again. They're watching all the time. So that means you have to dance all the time and you have to dance to the positions and not just think of where your arms are going. So pinpointing, for instance, those transitions from one piece to another, if you take a look at somebody video, YouTube, lots accessible, of somebody who you think does it right, and then do your own work of mimicking um, how the transition's going from one movement to another, and then stopping and taking a look and does it look the same. Mm. It just takes takes deliberate focus, deliberate practice. Yes. And I love how you point attention to the specific transitions, uh, someone, I don't remember where and how exactly the phrase was, but someone said sort of like the dance is what happens in between poses. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, yes. I also heard, I think I heard this from Florence. I don't quote me, but she, she mentioned it in the, in the class I, that I took from, from her. And she said that that is really where your personality shines is in the transitions from one move to another because the technique or the steps or the combo or the, the choreography can be done by the same people, right? On a stage Mm -hmm. doing the same movement and the movements are the same, but how you transition from one to another is where your personality shines through, right? That's, that's the part that's you. I really feel transitions are the way to make it look fluid, the way that you, are showing that you are dancing every single moment and that you're embodying your body. There's a hashtag. Yeah. Embody <laughs> your body. The whole time, every moment matters. Mm. Also, it's very interesting how you work on your own body because I remember a long time ago already seen a lot of clips of your, uh, your own training and what caught my attention was very interesting and uh, not very common among ballet dancers approach of combining uh, 
and multitasking at the same time, I almost would say, uh, because I remember right now on my mind comes a clip that you were drilling like shimmies and at the same time you had weights in your arms and you were working on like uh, biceps, triceps and all that like strength exercising. Uh, I also don't know if it was just a separate project or is it something ongoing uh, in your training, but uh, what uh, um, role do you give to conditioning in dance? Uh, like how do, if you incorporate it on a regular basis in your own training, like if you don't mind sharing, <laughs> sharing how you do and uh, how, what do you think are the most important elements of conditioning specifically for belly dancers? If there are anything like special for this uh, genre of dance style. Okay, yes, actually, the um, doing the shimmies and incorporating weights is still a way that I still train, and I incorporate it also in my online classes, especially on Saturdays where we focus on conditioning in the first part of the class. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I do uh, something I call tabla tabata. I don't know if you're familiar with Tabata, but we do, we alternate between a strengthening exercise and then choo-choo shimmy with hand weights. So um, I can tell you that my focus on my body and my training has changed. Um, As I've gotten older, I feel that I've had to really step up my training. I feel that the core is really important. Um, balance, um, strengthen your legs and engaging because in order to get the quality of movement that I use in my dance, it takes a lot of engaging the muscles in your body, in your arms, in your back, um, having balance and um, flexibility I find is really important. So I will tell you that um, early in my career, when I was performing a lot, that was very different than when I started going on the circuit, when I started traveling and teaching workshops, because I was spending a lot more time on airplanes and a lot more time sleeping in different hotel rooms. And my performances were um, shorter. So I had to be more, uh, it it just changed. Instead of having a 40 minute performance um, to a live band, say four nights a week or four times a night on Fridays and Saturdays. Mm-hmm. It was really different than um, when I started touring. So um, more yoga and flexibility and being able to really stretch um, became very important. Um, so it has changed. And I found that, um, especially with traveling, I really needed to work on my stamina mm-hmm. because um, it wasn't so much I mean, it is really intense to have to teach um, long hours of workshops and then do a show and um, and then stay up late because you're part of a festival and you're part of, you know, the the whole uh, event. And so you're not getting as much sleep and you're working really hard and then you're getting on a plane and you're flying somewhere else. So it, it was a different approach. Now that I've stayed in place after 18 years of traveling, um, year round, this is the longest I've ever stayed Mm -hmm. in in one place in like 20 years. Um, I'm really enjoying being able to being home and being more consistent. And, um, and so I do 
let's see, I really, I, I do running. I do a lot of stretching. I do mat style Pilates. Um, and I do training with weights. Yes. So I actually wonder, in your opinion, how much uh, strength is important? Uh, strength, flexibility, it's obvious, but specifically for strength, which is also developed through yoga, but how much is it really important for belly dancers? Because we kind of think, oh, oriental dance is so smooth and it's so fluid and we don't really think about uh, strengthening exercises. So how, in your opinion, is it important for ballet dancers at all? I think, yes, it's very important because um, <clears throat> you need also strength. You don't only need flexibility for oriental dance. You need a lot of strength, I think. Um, just just like looking at, at Jimmy's, for example, you need strength in your legs to to really do good chimis and for also doing the the accents and everything you need you need a good muscle work and you have to strengthen these muscles and also for um um you if you have to dance like for uh half an hour if you're dancing at a at a wedding or whatever and you have to dance for half an hour really through maybe just um, like five minutes break in between, you have also to, you know, not like at the end that you can hardly breathe mm -hmm. or that you're sweating like crazy. So you, you really need to strengthen your body because for people, like many people, when they see you dance, they say, oh, it looks so easy. Mm -hmm. You look so relaxed. Yes, maybe from outside looks like this, but it's work. It's body work. It's a lot of breathing. It's it's hard sometimes, but you have to make it look easy. So we have to train your body that it looks easy and not like hard work. So it's important, I think. Yes. Yeah, but many dancers may think like, oh, belly dance will be enough. Uh, like belly dance itself will give me everything that is possible. Because typically when we go to belly dance class, almost none of us really thinks about professional career. We go to belly dance class because uh, we want some physical activities in our life. And then now we are talking, oh, we actually, to be a professional oriental dancer, you actually need to add other dance activities. So... Uh, how do you do you feel about it and when did you um start thinking about having extra activities for your dancing what was your moment of of that switch um when i started to go to classes like the first years um i mean i i did jazz dance before and also hip hop so i was not like starting from from zero you understand mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I also took some ballet classes just because I love ballet um, and I I always was training my body in, in some kind of way so for me like when I started oriental dance even when I went just for classes just for, just for joy um, I started to do maybe 10 minutes or 15 minutes uh, a day something at home to strengthen my body because I wanted to, to make the moves 
better. I wanted to have, you know, to, to, to dance only like, um, like it looks good mm -hmm. and not like work. I started to do it like from the beginning. But the, the more professional I became, the more I saw, okay, I, I have to do more. I have to do more, you know, because when you, when you start to go on stage, I think it's, it's like your homework that you do more. I know you're doing one program, which is functional training for belly dancers. And this is basically a little direct combination of fitness, but it's for belly dancers. Can you tell a little bit more, why did you decide to create uh, and run this kind of program uh, specifically for belly dancers? What's the need? Okay, so um, I, I started this program because uh, since... 10 years. So the, the physical education thing was, uh, I, I, I leave it a little bit for a, a moment and I was just belly dancing, belly dancing, belly dancing. And I started to feel that uh, the technique was not improving as fast as it could be for me, for my students and for many people that I work with. So I started really uh, I, I got back all my knowledge from the physical mm -hmm. education and also for physiotherapy because I did a master's degree in physiotherapy. So I got all my knowledge and I said, if I start to prepare the, the body first, if I work more in strength, in coordination, in stretching, it would put maybe uh, help to improve the technique faster in belly dance and I start to test it in myself and in my students. So I tested for a few years and I noticed that we were all getting better faster. So I started, a, I have a, 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 a large work now about this subject. And I started to, to thinking about uh, how I could improve the learning of belly dance, working in the body first. Because I also noticed that uh, there was uh, not a lot of awareness about the body. So people, they start dance, they don't know where the right and left, uh, what is uh, lift arm, uh, or they don't know their body in this in the, in the space, you know. And they start dancing. So it's really hard because they don't have the basic knowledge to do uh, any dance. Because any dance needs uh, some capacities. Like uh, you need to understand your position uh, on the space. You need to have some coordination, some uh, strength for uh, stretch, not stretching, uh, flexibility, strength. You, you need many capacities that are not technical uh, movements of belly dance to receive this technique. And, and this was what I started to, to work. 
And I decided to create, um, after my, my tests, you know, I, I said I do a lot of tests uh, with me, in myself and with my students. So I started to think what I could do, which exercise could help people to, to improve their technique faster. Because when you teach, I started teaching in 2001. So in, uh, in 2015, I had already almost 15 years of teaching belly dance. And when you analyze your students, you see that uh, most of them have the same problems. The problems, they, they came uh, frequently, the same problems. So I started to create some exercise, not creating, just getting exercise that exists already and, and, and that can improve the, the, the movement in belly dance. So this is why I create the this program, the exercise for belly dance. So I analyze to be more clear maybe i analyze uh arms movements and i see that the arms are not fluid or they are not really clean because <clears throat> uh the girl uh, that she she has not a lot of uh, mobility in the shoulder uh so i can just propose a movement a move, an exercise that you improve her mobility in the shoulder and improving the mobility, she uh, developed better her technique, you know, because if she has better mobility, it will be easier to execute one technique. And for all, uh, for I did it for the full body. I mm -hmm. analyzed the things that can prevent you to do the belly dance technique and I, I choose exercise that can solve this problem. Ah, so this is not only about uh, strengthening the muscle. It, it's bigger because many uh, dancers, uh, I know they have concerns that, oh, if I start, I don't know, going to gym or do fitness workout, uh, okay, my muscles will go stronger, but they will also be tighter. And for belly dance, we need to relax. So it's they feel like it's um, counterpointing, like, why would I go to gym and make my muscles more tight? Then I already struggle with relaxing them in many belly dance movements. <laughs> Of course, of course, yes, I understand. This is why my my, my programs, they are not... Uh, I know that people say you need to strength and go to the gym. My programs, they are not based in strength. My programs, programs are based in solve the problems of the body. It can be... Um, that there was uh, there is no uh, enough strength to do a movement... It can be there is no flexibility. It can be there is no coordination. It can be there is no mobility. So I you I I I watch uh, I analyze all the the movements when I have a, a student. I analyze all the movements and I see what is the problem, mm -hmm. and I work in the problem. Uh, for balance as well, uh, I will analyze what is the problem. Is uh, what is preventing her of doing this movement? Is because there is no mobility, no no flexibility, no coordination, and I work uh, on this. Mm 
I will propose uh, exercise to improve this. Of course, just doing strength or going to the gym is not is not enough because some people they don't need. This is what I I tell to my students. Some people they don't need strength. Some people they need flexibility. Some mm-hmm. people they need coordination. Some people they need mobility. So just doing exercise without uh, a problem to solve for me is not is not uh, is not really not really efficient. So this is why I propose this functional training because is 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 more than going to the gym. Mm-hmm. Then you talk about conditioning of your body. What exactly do you mean? What does conditioning means for you? Um, well, I, it kind of starts with me with with nutrition. And the funny thing, the the reason sorry I was a little late this morning with our with our phone date, with our interview. Um, but I was actually on a on a another Skype phone call with. Um, with uh, my results from my genome testing. And I don't know if you know anything about that, but it's a, it's a DNA test that really like looks deep into your DNA and see if you have uh, precursors for uh, any diseases like diabetes mm-hmm. or other things, what type of um, exercise level you should be doing, what type of foods work with your body, hormone levels. And it was tremendously insightful. Um, fortunately, I things are looking pretty good. Uh, specifically, he he noted that one of the top things is is my mood and my emotional state. That they can even read that in in your genes. Um, oh wow! And I said, oh that 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 feels pretty on point. I'm gonna you know I'm often you know very positive person as you know. So then we went through nutrition and diet and all the all of those things and different um, things that I would be a precursor for uh, if I wasn't like taking care of, um, nutrition. So it's, for me, I do, I sort of lean into a paleo type of nutrition where, um, it's, it's really like low, low carbs, maybe like, it's basically, we call it like a 60, 30, 10 or 50, 40, 10. So 60, 30, 10 means 60% of my meal would consist of like high fiber veggies, like, um, specifically like broccoli and, cauliflower and like really like cruciferous vegetables, things like that, Brussels sprouts, then a really clean protein. I just say clean because I think we all know what that means. So like a nice piece of fish or chicken, and then a complex carb would be the 10%. So something like, um, like a half of a sweet potato or a tablespoon of quinoa to, to have that balance. Uh, because a lot of the carbs sort of trend, you know, transform into sugars into your body and that transforms into fat. And that's, you know, kind of a concern for, for conditioning. Um, Mm. yeah. So, um, that's kind of my approach to my meals. I also do something called intermittent fasting where I eat between like an eight hour window, uh, or sometimes a six hour window or sometimes, little bit higher, lower. And I, I kind of listen to my body. I don't really get too crazy obsessed with it. Uh, you know, I went down that rabbit hole <laughs> and, uh, just having a balance, I think of that. So basically like maybe skipping breakfast and, uh, sometimes I'll do like a bulletproof coffee with the coffee with a little bit of coconut oil. And, uh, then I'll skip, skip breakfast and then have my first meal around like one o'clock. 
and then um, the last meal around 6 or 7 p.m. So then that way between when I go to bed and when I wake up in the morning, then I'm, then I'm fasting. And that just, it gives, once you get used to it and you adapt to it, it actually, it's very energizing. Your body has a lot of energizing energy because you're not, your body's not working on digesting food and your organs have a chance to rest. And, um, in the beginning it was challenging, I, I have to say, but once I was acclimated to it, it, uh, I found it really energizing and I'm able to like work out, uh, usually I try to work out in the morning. So usually I can even do some sort of workout, um, with my bulletproof coffee or, or often I have what I call like bulletproof green tea. Mm. <laughs> so green tea, green tea matcha is a big, big part of my program. I have it almost every day. And, you know, there's so many benefits to green tea. There's the, um, the antioxidants, the cordyceps, um, Oh, sorry, the cachetins. I love that word, cachetins, <laughs> uh, that you can get from green tea, which are like anti-cancerous and just, um, you know, really, really beneficial for the body. And the benefit, too, is it gives you a little lift with the caffeine. So, you know, that doesn't hurt my feelings. So all these small things start to diminish my my inspiration or my fire if you can sort of say and you know sometimes you really have to force yourself to just train even if it is just for you uh, something that also I battle with I train now or I, I guess if I have to say at least this last six months I've been training a lot for me not for classes mm. Uh, just to kind of give my self-performer also some time. Because currently everything is classes, 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 classes. And I feel my performer side is being a little bit left out. So I'm putting all these months just now for me as a performer. Um, and many times also, I don't know if it happens to others, but you know, the, the thing of you have to put yourself out there in the market, put your name, then you sometimes you have to record yourself. And it's funny because for me, it's hard. Like when I make my own trainings, sometimes I don't know if you have seen in Instagram, but sometimes I put like few parts and not all the time because in the moment there is a camera, I just lost it. I lose the inspiration. I am more focused on to see if I'm, you know, in frame or mm -hmm. if my, the movement gets cut or if the internet went or the power fail or I mean, external things that interrupt a little bit your flow of motion in that in that time. Um, so I think my inspiration is actually better now. When I left UAE, it was like I think very high and I had as you say all the expectations of I'm going to do I'm going to blah 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 I'm going to eat the world and then COVID came first year was more or less the second was just bad and um, yeah now as we are recovering and everything I um, yeah I think you know it's starting to come back but you really many times you have to force it and as I say, to kind of put in my mind that, um, okay, is something coming. For example, um, the first year of COVID, 
I had in my mind, okay, I have this festival that I have to do in Chile, uh, Cairo Stars. Then it didn't happen, but anyway, I have to train because they wanted to make the show online. Mm -hmm. So I keep working for that. And then the next year, it didn't happen because the different lockdown rules in different countries. Um, then another festival that I have locally here, it didn't happen because of the same. So it's almost, it felt like I'm pre preparing and then it's not happening. So you feel like a deflated, you know, mm -hmm. then you have a period of, I don't know why I'm doing this, why I'm training and I'm tired and nothing is happening and you start just, you know, to, <laughs> but it's okay. It's just, I, I, I want to think that you just, you are tired, you know, you, you cannot give up at the end. Dance is what I really love the most. And at some point in time, sometimes I'm really sad and I just, put like the saddest songs ever that no one ever danced on them <laughs> just to dance and like get the sorrow away. So as I say, I, many times is the pushing, but after that, the flame come back. This episode was brought to you by the Yana Dance Club, bringing more consistency and more fun into your dance training online. Check it out at yanadanceclub.com, direct link in the show notes. And before you leave, don't forget to screenshot this episode and share it with your friends, as well as leave a review on iTunes or any other app you're using to listen to the show. The more people know about this podcast, the easier it is for me to bring even more awesome guests. Until next time, keep shimming and keep dancing.